0: Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley and with me as usual is Derek Specht. How's your week been, Derek?
1: It's been fantastic, but busy.
0: Yeah, I know. It uh, seems to be that time everybody's back to school and yes. everything and holidays are semi over. But I got to say, just because people are back to school, uh, like the kids are back to school, you know, university, college and all that sort of stuff for my kids. And, you know, holidays seem to be over. There's still plenty of of weather, to do your paddling.
1: College and university, eh?
0: Yeah, no way.
1: My oldest just went into grade one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got a long way to go.
1: Before I came here tonight, there was an open house, and I got to see your classroom and all that stuff. Yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah, that that gets old after a while. Mine's
1: at the first start end, <laughs> the the starting end. The of starting of it, and, <laughs> and we're at the ending of <laughs> yes. it. Yes, mind you,
0: my yeah, my daughter's uh, she's doing the art history thing and curatorial studies. She'd love to work like in a, a museum or, or something oh, in an art cool. gallery. Well, she's uh interview on Monday to do, um, at U of T, their work, uh, work study in their gallery. Cool. So it goes right along with what she's doing. Yeah. So. It's right yeah. In her wheelhouse. You know what? Hey, it's, everybody's likes, likes, uh, something that's her cup of tea and, uh, she's, she's going for it. So, but, um, yeah, you know what? Like I say, there's, there's still plenty of time. In the season before things get
1: downright frozen over. Well, I have plans that's going to probably happen early October or more towards the end of October to November. And we're still trying to nail down the location. It's probably going to be in Northern Ontario, north of Sudbury, something like uh, Sturgeon River, which is where we normally go. But that's where we're planning right now. You're probably going to get some snow if you leave it too late, but. Yeah, we're going to bring a big uh, 10 man army tent and wood stove and, and we're going to base camp and uh, day trip from base camp. So it should be interesting.
0: That'll be cool. That'll be cool. But I mean, even still, we're taking day trips from here and throw the canoe in the water and uh, whatnot and, you know, you you know, just a weekend trip up North. I know uh, October there's a bunch of them, they they call it the post Turkey get together. Um, The weekend after Canadian Thanksgiving.
1: When is Thanksgiving? October 14th, 10th, 11th, 10th, something like that. Yeah. It doesn't I don't know. it's my birthday
0: weekend. I Early know. Early October. All I know is that I get cake and turkey. <laughs> 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 That's all I care about. Cake, turkey, all right. Are you a pumpkin pie fan? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pumpkin I'm, pie whipped cream. I'm not that big of a fan. Oh, huge fan. Huge fan. Doesn't, uh, I'm not big in all the pumpkin spice stuff that they've got going on everywhere. Yeah. But pumpkin pie. Oh Yeah. Gotta
1: be pumpkin spice latte. That's yeah. gross. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So it's still some uh, small weekend trips and whatnot still in the works, and uh, before the snow flies. Even when the snow flies, as long as the the water's still not ice. Yes. You know, um, we can still throw that in there. You just got to be careful and wear proper proper gear.
1: Well, you know, I've been hearing and uh, I've seen it on with uh, Farmers Almanac and. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple areas where I saw there's these alerts and most of it was uh skiing websites and stuff like that. They're like looking towards a heavy snowfall winter. That's like, what I
0: heard in the Almanac.
1: Yeah. And like people who skewers, I have a couple of buddies do a lot of skewing. I don't, but they were talking about this is going to be a fantastic winter for skidoos and for skiing and whatnot. So yeah, it's uh last, last winter was very light. So this winter it's uh it's, it's, the the winter doldrums hit harder when you don't have snow and it's still cold. You can't, you can't do, do anything. Exactly. You're kind of it's, it's like being windbound on a on, on a lake. It's yeah. like I can't do anything. Well, I mean,
0: when when my canoes finally go, you know, packed away for the winter, the snowshoes and stuff come out. You know, yeah. in the in the winter camping gear sort of stuff. And if you can't do that, you know, you want to go snowshoeing for the weekend. Exactly. And you can't. Well, you're stuck in the house, and it's mud or it's it's cold, but you can't do anything. It's, it's, you get tired of it. (laughs)
1: And that's where you start getting cabin fever because you can't expend that winter energy.
0: Well, yeah, there, there's uh, no energy, um, you know, or too much energy that gets, that's maintained and you just can't do anything with it.
1: So with luck, I'll be able to get some skiing in to get, burn some of that energy off in the winter and, and, uh, do some planning for the next summer.
0: Yeah, it'd be, uh, it'll be good because like I say, the Almanac does say it's going to be a, a good winter. So the um, one of the things uh, I think you've heard about um, that was recently released, talking yeah. of winter and cold, the HMS
1: Terror. Ah, yes. It's been in the news big lately.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I only really, I mean, it's historical, but because, you know, I want to go to Banks Island, which is up that way. And do a, do some, some tripping and stuff and some paddling.
1: Yeah. So off of Banks Island is where the search ship went down.
0: Well, that's, that's where the investigator went down right off of, uh, right off of Banks Island. And then just east of that is Victoria Island. And on the other side of that is, uh, King, um, King William Island. And that's where they found the Erebus two years ago. And that's where they've now found, uh, the, the terror. Um, so yeah, you know, getting some some paddling going on up that way. There's a lot of uh, historical stuff that's like, you know, going on
1: now. Pretty significant. Big it's very time. interesting.
0: Well, yeah, we were we were discussing the uh, the terror, and um, the terror was is significant historically, not just for being part of the Franklin expedition, but it was one of the ships that took part in the bombing of. Uh, was it the Battle of Baltimore, um, the, they were, they were trying to, uh, capture Fort McHenry and that is where, uh, Scott Key, I can't, I can't remember his,
1: uh, yes, his it was, first uh, name. Francis, Francis Scott
0: Francis, Key. Francis Scott Key. So yes, Francis. That's where he was, uh, and, and he had to spend the night while they were being bombarded and the next day he woke up And he looked up and saw the Star Spangled Banner sitting there and the American flag still, still flying. Yeah. So they,
1: they bombed Fort McHenry. They weren't able to actually take the fort. And so the British had to, they backed away and went away. And one of the ships was the Terror in this mm-hmm. thing. And, and so Francis Scott Key the next morning when the bombing finished and they gave up, they couldn't take Fort McHenry. That's when he looked up and he knew that they had won or that they, not they had won, they had, uh, survived the battle. Survived the battle when they saw the, the, the American flag, the earlier version of the American flag still on the flagpole. It had not been captured. It had not been taken down. And that what incited him to, uh, write his poem, The Star-Spangled Banner. That was uh, in the 1700s? Uh, 1814. 1814. And then, uh, so his poem last, I think it was 1913, somebody put it to music. And then 1931 is when it became the American National Anthem. Is that when it became the National Anthem? In 31. I was reading that the other day. It's on Smithsonian website.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, yeah, you know what? I mean, like I say, our interest in in the history of, of Northern Canada and, you know, some paddling spots has led us to all of the Franklin expedition and everything else. And, uh, yeah, now finding out about the terror and its connection to the war of 1812
1: and uh, the battle of Baltimore in 1814 and all that sort of thing, it's pretty cool. And it's kind of loosely associated with paddling, but, and, but it does, it, it sort of fits into what we have been interested in because like, like you said earlier, we had wanted, we've always been wanting to go to Banks Island. What was the name of the river in Banks Island? Thompson. The Thompson River. And it was one of my goals, if we had made that trip come off is I wanted to visit the site of the investigator. Yeah, be great. Because it's right off the Northern tip of Banks Island. You can't actually go to the wreck because it's protected, right? Yep. It's a, uh, it's a national historic site. It's protected. You're not allowed to dive on it or anything like that, but still I'd like to visit the area. And, uh, the terror and the Erebus. Those are now both located, but again, they're not even releasing the location because of fear that somebody's going to try and loot the site before they can properly protect it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, there's a few things off the air, but like the bell and everything already that are gone. Yes. You know, they've, they've pulled those up.
1: And I've seen pictures of it. The, 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 uh, the bell from the Erebus is in a glass case still filled with seawater to Mm -hmm. protect and preserve it. Because often with these things, you, you can't let them dry out after they've been submerged for so many hundreds of years because any drying out would actually destroy the, the object.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, you know what? So there's plenty of stuff going on up that way. I think, uh. Our simple little canoe trip is turning into something a lot more. <laughs> I <laughs> it's, still want to
1: go to Banks Island. I still want to It's so going to get go really there. expensive really fast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So yeah, so I, I thought I'd just throw that out there just because we talk about the yes. area.
1: And one thing that I wanted to mention is, uh, so last week we talked about uh, the Scarlet Brothers and we heard their very first trip log from yes. 1959. 63. Was it 63? 63, yeah. Yeah, it was a so 1963, and and uh, so I've listened to our own episode thoroughly twice now, and I, so I listened to their trip log twice. And what amazed me is the depth of recollection, the clarity of recollection of their first trip. Like <laughs> I can barely remember what I have for breakfast, and these guys are remembering back to 1963, and they're talking about the details of a trip. It's like their their oral trip log is amazing in detail in their heads. And what what impressed me is that they, and then again, tents weren't, were really heavy back then, but it sort of, sort of made sense that they went without a tent and, but the, the, the canoe back in the day for the way they were treated and revered, it, it just found it amazing that people would invite them in and feed them and. And, uh, they would find accommodations just at the drop of a hat. They'd show up Hey, well, try this cabin. We you know, we know this guy's away for a couple of weeks or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was fascinating to hear that oral history of, of the early sixties in Algonquin Park.
0: Well, and the thing that really was, that really turned it for me at the end when they mentioned the satellites. Yes. I mean, right now, everything is so high tech. I mean, so we many. live in you know, such a high tech world. I mean, considering you're listening to this over the internet, you Mm. know, this show, and then they're looking at the first satellites that were zipping over the country. And not
1: just the first satellite, it's the stroke of luck that they saw it. Yeah. Because we can go up there now with our iPhones and our smartphones and, and the phone will say, look up in 30 seconds to see the ISS fly over or, or an Iridium satellite. And so you know when to look for it. You have a time down to the second when it's going to pass over. Back then I think when they saw it, it was just like it was stroke of luck. Oh look, there goes that must be a satellite.
0: Yeah, well, I, they would have to know what it is because there's nothing else up there moving. Yeah, exactly. Unless it was a well, you guess planes. I but guess. Even still, yeah. there's nothing like today. But that'd be a blinking light, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, just things like that. This the, the stuff they saw, and, and as I said, you know, we read about the history of Algonquin Park, and they were there. Yeah, they. You they know, through a lot of chunks of it, history. yeah. I mean, not way, 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 way back. But no, but. Still, But I mean, modern 50 years memory, ago right? from now. Yeah, modern uh, times. Before now. The modern yeah. park. Yeah, that was uh, the cool. You know, and the, even when they're talking about Armprior, north of Armprior, there was that dam that yes. wasn't there. And, and they, they said, camped on the shore of the river. Yep. And now that's 20 feet exactly. underwater.
1: And there was another dam they talked about. Originally, it was a wood dam and now it's a cement or concrete mm-hmm. dam. Yeah. And, and just the changes that they've lived through, that they've experienced. It, re- it really makes you think, eh? They have amazing oral history of the park. And it, yeah. what would be interesting if somebody could collect their, their experiences in some sort of book or something. So with it, the pictures. So a lot of these word of mouth, a lot of these original early experiences just get lost with time. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's why most people feel the need to write down and record and make books and m- move these oral histories into documented histories.
0: Yeah. Cause the word of mouth isn't passed as much as it no, used to it be. No,
1: it dies off. Like nobody's yeah. going to remember me in 200 years. Right. But if you, if these guys can write down their oral history, create some sort of document that will be carried on through mm-hmm. time.
0: Well, and that's when we, we sat there when we were driving home and I've said it before. When we were driving home from the Scarlet Brothers house, we know we're crossing the border, there was, uh, you know, uh, Mark Rubino and Jeff McMurtry, Scott Rogers, we were driving and they said, it is so cool that we managed to sit there around the table and actually record yes, that interview. That, I mean, that yeah. was almost a two hour interview, Yeah. you know, that we had to cut down for the sake of the show. But, you know, I've got that on, on the computer now that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's recorded in history. Yeah. Now it's,
1: it's, it's on the internet. Yeah. It's, it's locked away. You know, when, when zombie apocalypse happens, then that may get lost in time, but until then it's recorded now. That's right. I always so, come back to the zombie apocalypse. Well, you know,
0: <laughs> i read somewhere that they actually do training for it. Really? Because they figured, I can't remember where I read it, I read it yesterday or today. If you can survive a zombie apocalypse then you should be able to survive uh, a tornado, a hurricane, Anything. an earthquake, a natural yeah. disaster.
1: Huh. Well, good point. I'll start practicing my survival skills. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hope for the hope for the best and
0: expect the worst.
1: Yeah. Well, so, when the U.S. invade us to take our water, I guess we got to be prepared. I don't
0: know. We're gonna hit them with, with the snowballs and the igloos and, and beavers, the, the beavers and the dog sleds <laughs> and <laughs> <the> polar bears. <laughs> That's Canada's <laughs> army. What is it chipmunks on on uh, jet skis with lasers <laughs> mounted? Lasers. These laser beavers <laughs> with lasers on them. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. Uh, we do have a couple of things to talk about today. Um, last week was the Muskoka River X race. Yes. Which uh, sounds like it was a good thing. Um, and there's also a new water filter. And you know how much I like water filters. <laughs> Um, I was tagged uh, on on this one here, saying this is right up my alley, and it's faster because you know everybody wants faster, faster, faster. So, so let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about a couple things here, and uh, let's get down to business. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6am and 6pm and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Hey, this is Sean Rowley of Paddling Adventures Radio. When out on the water, a bad map can lead to a terrible paddling experience. That's why when paddling Tomogamy, Killarney, and Algonquin Park I've come to rely on Jeff's map. If you're looking for a waterproof, tear-resistant map with paddling routes, portage data, historical points, and much more, then go to jeffsmap.com and see the maps I use. Available in print or in a downloadable format, jeffsmap.com. So as you know, one of the big uh, items that I, I just seem to be going back to all the time is and, and people know it, is water filters. Uh, there's just something about water filters and water when I'm on a trip and when I'm out paddling, even for the day. Um, well, it's one of the
1: key things because obviously you need water. You need you need to be protected from any contaminants that you're going to come across and drink on either remote lakes or local lakes. They're, everything is contaminated. You can't, it, often a lot of people, they take chances and a few people that I've camped with, they do take chances and they've never come across a problem, but that one time you get beaver fever, it's uh it can really ruin a trip.
0: Yeah. You know what? I've actually, um, within the last year, uh, was on a trip and we are just pumping water so much. I just started dipping. Oh, that was the- Brent run. Brent run. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, it you- got so you, hot, we were just, I mean, you, you, you hold your, your, your Nalgene bottle in your hand with the lid on, then you put it down like elbow deep and you let the lid go yeah. and it fills, right? Um, you don't want to scoop it off the top, but there comes a point where you just can't keep up with the, the water filtration.
1: But I think with a larger lake, now I don't condone this, but this is my opinion, but in a larger lake, like I'm talking a large lake, you're yeah. out in the middle. I I, th- I think the water should be fairly safe out there. It's the smaller creeks and I can Oh, ne- I would never, I would never do it somebody there. Somebody was telling me that, uh, they were pumping, filtering water, might have been you. And they They were pumping, filtering water. And then somebody says, look at that. And there was a dead moose, like 20, 30 feet away. Oh, uh,
0: I heard that story. No, it wasn't me, but I've, I have heard that. It was Marcus or it was was Jeffrey or somebody. Yeah. It might've been Mark in the park. Um, but yeah. And then you're right off the bat. You're okay. Well, forget that. Right. But no, no, I, I would never do it in a small little Creek river or anything or small lake. Uh, it's gotta be a big, a big lake. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I even heard if you take it from a waterfall because it's fast moving and You think it's filtered safe, with no, there could no. be a
1: dead animal at the top of the waterfall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. It so. could be just something like a, a beaver died in the, in any, it, there could be anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, a moose could have walked by and, and crapped in the stream. Could have. Right? Good. And you're, your buddy's
0: up river from yeah. having
1: a whiz. <laughs> and what is it? It's, uh, it's deer. When deer move into an area, they have parasites that is in their crap. And if moose eat it, it becomes a parasite in the moose's brain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The uh, brain worm. Um, brain worm. I don't know if humans if, are susceptible to that. No, I'm not, I don't, I don't believe so. But it's not even eating, it's just even being near it and smelling it. Yeah. Like if they, if they the happen to be sniffing the grass the and there's some, yeah, some, uh, some scat from the deer is sitting there, they do, yeah, they can breathe it in and they're toast.
1: So it's just for me. Water purification is important.
0: Yeah. So everybody seems to know that about me, that, you know, I'm always on the lookout for the latest and greatest in uh, water purifiers. And someone tagged me. um, There's a company out of Seattle called Grail. And it's G-R-A-Y-L. The Grail water filter. Um, It's a purifier bottle. Now, if you're into coffee and you know a French press, then you'll know, uh, you'll get the handle of, of how yes, this thing works. Exactly. Basically you take the water bo- bottle, it's like a giant glass, and you scoop up a glass full of water from the stream or for whatever. And then there's a cartridge that fits on the top and you slowly push it down into the, the glass, to the bottom. And the water flows the through water, the base of the glass yep.
1: into the central part of the filter. Right. And, and it's then you can, filtered. You drink yeah, it.
0: You drink right at the top of it. 16 ounces, a so half a liter. You know, you get yourself a good drink. Uh, one of the other things they do is, um, they promote on there, but is a, a growler, they, they call it. Uh, but I would just take one of my Nalgene. Just normal Nalgene, yeah. Yeah. And you do this twice and you've got a, a liter of water in your Nalgene. You do it a third time and you have a liter of water in your Nalgene plus a big old glass of water for yourself right at, the, at that time. Um, so in Seattle, they're founded in 2012. There is a Kickstarter on this. I'm surprised you never caught on to that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't see them all. I can't see them all, but you gotta, you seem to find a lot of them. Uh, 2012, Grail was inspired by two global travelers, Nancy Weston and Travis Merrigan. Their concerns about global plastic pollution and the poor quality, health, taste, odor, and clarity of water- that people around the world endure daily. Nancy and Travis are committed to changing the status quo by making practical and durable filtration and purification solutions. And when I saw this, I'm thinking, I don't think you could actually make this any easier. Uh, I mean, yeah, you get the, the, the gravity filters that you scoop up and you hang from a tree, but I mean, that still takes time. It does. They are saying 15 seconds for half a liter of water. Um, that's what it's, yeah. 16 ounces, um, 15 seconds. And that's all, that's all you do is you just scoop, you press that down and you drink, right? Um, it is pretty neat. It's not all that expensive, realistically. They have two versions, an ultralight version and the legend the ultralight version is 60 bucks. You can get it at Mountain Equipment Co-op. Uh, there's also a place in Ottawa called Red Pine Outdoor that you can get it. Um,
1: the prices are very reasonable.
0: 60 bucks, yeah. Yes.
1: And I'm looking at the Kickstarter now. It uh, finished, it was successful on March 5th of 2016. Yeah. And the, there's always early bird prices where it's cheaper, right? But the, the basic unit itself was $70 US, Mm -hmm. which is actually more expensive than what it's currently available. But now it's, of course it's mass production. So the Kickstarter is what gets these people off the ground so they can go into mass production. It's, you know, you're, you're investing in, in an idea with Kickstarter. And so they've gone beyond the investment phase and now they're actually in mass production. So MEC now sells them you can buy the ultralight for 58 or you can buy the stainless steel version for $62 and the individual filters themselves you can get a tap filter so you can filter if you're in a new town or whatever and you don't trust the tap water that's like a $20 filter or a $16 filter or if you camp if you're like for trail and for camping there's a $20 version and that's a uh, that's for virus, bacteria, like Guardian, beaver fever stuff. And as well, there's a higher end version, which is a slower throughput, thicker filter, smaller. It, it, what, it, that's uh, the travel filter. That's the travel filter and that's $40. So these prices are actually fairly reasonable. A $40 think.
0: travel filter, that is good for SARS, rotavirus, hep A. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's when, if you're traveling to another country. Yeah. If you're. Yeah. I think you, you'd want to get. Exactly. Take that extra 20 bucks and, and, and get yourself one of those ones. But
1: it's so convenient that you, you pull out the inner cup with the filter attached to the bottom, you dunk the outer cup, fill it, and then you press the inner cup into it and it fills the inner cup through the base of the filter. And then you use the thing itself as a cup.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and their whole thing is based on fill, press, drink. Yeah fill to indicated fill line, press on the ground or below 20 inches. Uh, so they, they say below knee level, you use your body. It's better for mechanics. It seems like there's a lot of force. It takes a
1: lot of force. So if you use your weight to a mechanical advantage, it's easier to press the water. Yeah. So it's. And then you just drink it. It's a, it's very, it's a genius idea. It's the, it's your basic person. you're carrying a cup around with you with a filter in it and it's just works better. A, a lot of, I've seen a lot of these little gimmicky ones where you can squeeze it or you suck through a straw or you, you put the pills in water and it's, it's all varying levels of complication. But this one here just seems so simple and it's not that expensive. It's cheaper than like, uh, I was looking at replacing my, uh. My filter this year, and it's about 110 120 bucks. And it's a base camp gravity filter. And this unit here, it's uh, it, it would do what I want. You can do uh, up to two liters in a minute if mm-hmm. you're going steady hard. You could, I guess, do a liter a minute if you're just kind of relaxing, bumming around camp, or you're, you'd stop at a portage, dip the cup, you press some water, and you get instant fresh filtered water.
0: Well, and they're um basically gearing the ultralight version to, to minimalist uh yes. trippers and that um because it's so light it's only 10.9 ounces right Whereas the metal one, one pound four point seven at five ounces. But
1: it makes it more hardy. So but, if yeah. you're if you're gonna be going to some foreign place and you're you're doing whatever you're doing there, this thing can bang around on your hip, you can throw it in your pack, throw it in the back of a truck, it's it's gonna last. It's stainless yeah. steel. It's a bit heavier, but you're not so worried about the weight in that case. But yeah, if but if you're, you're going on a canoe trip
0: or a exactly. hiking trip or something in the backcountry here, you get these lightweight one, right? Um, so again, what's
1: the weight of the ultralight one?
0: The ultralight is 10.9 ounces.
1: 10 ounces. That's yeah. super light. And yeah. the other one is, is just one over a pound.
0: One pound, 4.75 ounces.
1: How many ounces in a pound? Refresh my memory. 12 uh, ounces, 16 ounces 16 a pound. 16 ounces.
0: No, 16 ounces is a uh, That's 16 <laughs> ounces. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm mixing my yeah. volume and my weights. <laughs> yeah. There's that much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know what, it, it's viruses, bacteria, protozoa, particulates, chemicals, and heavy metals. It protects you from all of that sort of stuff. And every, all the pictures they show, the guys camping, hiking, um, by a waterfall, all that sort of stuff, canoeing. And yet they just fill it up and they put it on the ground between their feet. They put the cartridge and just press the cartridge down. So simple. And it, it's so easy to use. Um, Yeah, I think uh, we're placing an order for a couple of these tomorrow through uh, Mountain Equipment Co-op. Fill, press, drink. I I don't think it uh, can get any easier than that. No. Now you were looking at the, um, you were reading the documentation on replacing the cartridges and storing the cartridges.
1: Yes, and I thought that was fascinating. Like I always have... (laughs) I, I tend not to take care of my equipment very well between trips. I do very good drying my tent out because I've had too many instances where I have a moldy tent or whatever. And so I do really good with my tent, but my filter, I often before a trip, I'll crack open my filter. It's like, oh, I forgot to take the filter out and it's, it's moldy. Like uh, my gravity filter has a paper filter element inside. And I don't know how many times I've had it go blue moldy because I didn't let it dry out between trips. This one here, it's, it has a media inside it that prevents the growth of the microbiological materials and stuff as well. It allows you to freeze it up to three times before the freezing and thawing cycle does damage. And like your, you have a filter that's ceramic and you can't freeze those. So you have to dry those out, but this one here, it's, it, it seems to be very forgiving for between uses for extended periods of storage. So you can take the filter cartridge off, throw it in the freezer. And, you know, like for me, I I would, I guess you could let it dry out on a counter. It says it'll, it's damaging if you let air get at it, it degrades the carbon filter element or the filter filler. The
0: active carbon. But
1: if you dry it and then seal it, and stop the Eric action within it, then it's good. So you just leave it on the counter for, you know, a couple of days a week, and then you store it for whatever. Put long it into to, my
0: a, a Ziploc baggie or something, yeah. throw it in the freezer, seal it
1: up. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's so simple, it's so forgiving, it's uh it's a really nice design. It's sleek. It looks like a cup. Yeah. So it's, with a, the cup, funky it's inside, a cup. It's a cup within a cup. The inner well, cup has the Well, you see the size
0: of it. How much with it holds. It's not that I mean, that's a, it's, that's a good drinking, uh, I mean, that's a good swig of water that you're yes. getting
1: there. Well, a cup of water is eight fluid ounces, so. You're getting two glasses there. Yeah. You're, and we're, t- I, I, well, actually going on that calculation, there's four cups in a liter, so 32 fluid ounces in a liter. hmm Something Yeah, like that. look at that, eh? <laughs> Aren't you the smarty? Do the math. Not 16 ounces, which is uh, 16 ounces in <laughs> <and> a pound. <laughs>
0: So yeah, uh, I I think uh, now I did notice there were some questions. There's people were saying, I guess a couple of people ordered them okay online um, through them into Canada, and there was complaints. A couple value-added tax issues, duty. Oh yes, forty-one bucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, so when it when it came in, whoever they sent it via Oops. FedEx or Pure or later, whoever they wanted their. $41 before they would release it. So you've just paid 60 bucks. Now you yeah. got to pay. So you so yeah, you know what, now that they're available in mountain equipment co-op and, and, and places like that, definitely buy it
1: fr- yeah. and <laughs> from for, there. For when you buy it for the filter itself, if you buy the basic ultralight plastic, it comes with a trail filter. Yeah. It doesn't so, come with the travel one, it comes with the trail yeah, one. So the trail filter itself, you, so you buy the unit 58 bucks, you get a trail filter, which by itself is $20. Yeah. So for $58 plus tax and MEC on that unit is free shipping pretty much anywhere in Canada, mm-hmm. if you're listening in Canada. So you're, you're paying, uh, with taxes is going to be about 65 bucks or so, 64. So 65 bucks, you have yourself a, a decent filter, a, a personal filtration unit. And I'm just thinking like you come to a portage, end of a portage, you're about to start paddling away. You just dip the cup in the water, give it a little quick press 15 seconds later you have a you have sixteen ounces, you have two cups of water to drink.
0: Yeah. I mean if we, you're with somebody, both you get a half of it, right? Yeah. That's a couple of good drinks of water for you and get you get you moving. Exactly. And uh instead of sitting there
1: and pumping and pumping and
0: well, pumping. Well I guess if you're if you've got one of these and you're sitting in your kayak as well. Yeah. I mean this is perfect. I mean it's sitting there rolling around the bottom. Yeah. You know, you just pick it up and it has dip a, it and it has put a it between screw your legs. lid. It's yeah. got a
1: screw on lid with a, uh, with a little loop so you can, you can carabiner it off the, your kayak or mm-hmm. you can carabiner it off your backpack.
0: But I mean, you could do this as as long as you got the strength to, to push down. I mean, you can throw it on the seat between your, between your legs there and just Absolutely. push straight down and there you go. Paddleboard, I don't know. Well, I guess you could do it on the paddleboard.
1: Well, you set, be you kind of funky. You set your bum on the paddleboard, that foot on each side and you pump away. Yeah. Um, it's it's a nice unit. I like it. It's a really good idea. It's uh it's compact. It's reliable. It seems. Ten point nine ounces. The Grail,
0: ultralight, purifier, purify water anywhere. Tools for purification. Yeah, it's. I like it. <laughs> Got to get one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, ours uh, should be coming in the mail here. You know what a week? Uh, yeah, uh, I I really looking forward to testing it out. But if you want to see it, uh, and that we'll we'll post a link on on the Facebook page and that.
1: But if you just um, Google Grail,
0: the the Grail, G R A Y L dot com. Uh, like I say, they're out of Seattle, but yeah, T H E G R A Y L dot com. Thegrail dot com. Check it out. Give them. They got a couple of videos on how they do it and stuff like that and how how it works and. Uh, when we get ours, we'll uh, let oh. you know how good they work. and Comprehensive review. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno
1: Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit wrvoradio.com online.
0: The Muskoka River X, uh, Algonquin Outfitters Muskoka River X race, happened last weekend. Um, as usual, sounds like everybody had uh, quite the time. Um, this is the
1: fourth annual running of this race,
0: correct? Correct, and it's supposed to be the biggest one this time of year. They started; they call it the. They've got three different routes this year. Um, they started originally with a hundred and thirty-kilometer route. They call that one the classic now, and then they added the cours de bois route. Yeah, people were looking
1: for more of a challenge. Yeah,
0: and that one's 220 kilometers. Now that one's over a couple of days as well. Um, but this year, people were, s- where everybody was looking for more of a challenge, there's certain people that were looking for less of a challenge.
1: Something that, yeah, if somebody wanted to participate, they can't, they're not capable of the 130, they're not capable of the 220, so they're looking for something that they can rip off in a day without, you know, having the big one, a big heart attack or something.
0: Well, that would be a sprint. Yes. <laughs> so they got the 80 kilometer MRX sprint. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know what? 80 kilometers, 130 kilometers or 220 kilometers. Pick your poison. Uh, canoes, and this is, kayaks, stand up paddle boards.
1: This is the last official race in this area for the season. So yep. this is, this is sort of the closing out. This is the, uh, the post labor day weekend, big race.
0: Yeah, well, like I said at the beginning of the show, still no ice on the rivers and the lakes. Not so yet. you keep on going until there is, right? And uh, up in Huntsville area, that's uh, Huntsville, Ontario. That's uh, what they're what they're doing this time of year every year now, and it's become a classic thing. And um, you know, it's everybody pulls together, and it benefits the whole area. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, Huntsville, Baysville, Bracebridge, Port Sydney. Uh, Whitney, Tongue Lake, everybody there, it helps everybody, the tourism and, and the businesses and stuff. Um, but having, we, we'd actually talked about after doing the Brent run that maybe we would look <laughs> at doing the classic <laughs> this year. Yes. And after the Brent run, everybody said, hey, maybe we won't. Yes. Maybe
1: this is, mo- <laughs> I bit off more than <laughs> well, So Well, let's uh, talk one about. One
0: race the- a, a year is enough for me, I'm thinking.
1: Well, let's talk about the, uh, your Brent run so we can compare it. To this, so the Brent One run is 162 kilometers. Yeah. So, how many portages were involved in that? Lots, (laughs) lots. (laughs) (laughs) It's a blur now. But it Um, took you guys. Well,
0: it was was 40 hours at the end of the day, but we we slept for four of that, and we lollygagged. Yeah, you guys did take a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, like 35 to 36 yeah. hours.
1: And I remember following you guys early on in the race for the first half, mm-hmm. uh, we were monitoring your, uh, your, uh, spot tracking and, and we were, we were on about 50% of the way you were mm-hmm. right on track. You were right on or just ahead of time.
0: Yeah. We were, we were looking to do it in, uh, what about 26 hours? Yeah. But I think
1: the, ret- you went up when you got to the Brent You, on the return route or just before you got to print is when you started to slow down and lose steam.
0: Well, going up to, uh, once we hit the winds, especially on, uh, big trout and all that, um, we, we started slowing down. I mean, you had no choice. Well, you had headwinds both ways. Yeah. 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 And, uh, uh, so yeah, that really hammered us and by, you know, you're going through the night and everything.
1: At some point you just say, you know what, enough's enough. This is just, you got to take a break. Um, so now we have a basis to compare to. So you, you, you guys went through the four years, went through the Brent run 162 kilometers, all those portages, you went through the night. Nonstop. It was, and that's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. And so you look at this 130 kilometer, uh, classic, which is 30 kilometers less, uh, or 32 kilometers left. You want to be technical. I'm going to be technical. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, you don't, do we, do you know any of these areas or what they're talking about where they paddled?
0: Yeah, these are, I mean, Huntsville to Baysville, that's up the Ox Tongue and stuff like that, right? Um, the Muskoka River, Ferry Lake, uh, this canal that goes into um, Ferry Lake to Peninsula Lakes, Wolf's Bay, uh, road uh, portages and that. So that's
1: 1.7 kilometer portage there. So there's 20 portages There, what is it? It's a uh, two river systems. Mm-hmm. There's three lakes in totals and there's 20 portages in total. And a, a portion I was reading after you leave Bracebridge, it's, you're actually paddling up river.
0: Yeah. Well, so if, cause if you go, if you go to Muskoka River X, uh, webpage, um, they actually show you the routes. There's Google maps that have the routes laid out. So yeah. it's a giant circle, right? Mm-hmm. For this one, um, But yeah, basically you're, you're paddling from Huntsville to Baysville down to Bracebridge and then all the way back up, but in in a a different route going back up. Um, and you end up in Huntsville. And you end up back in Huntsville. So it's, it's quite the distance. Uh, it's definitely, yeah, I guess you're paddling downstream at one point and upstream on, on, on the other half. Um, and I do believe it's, uh, you're paddling through the night night as well. Yes. Right? Cuz what was what was it uh the classic was 22 23 hours last year? Uh Something
1: like th- that? Th- well, the winner was 16 hours, wasn't he?
0: Something like yeah. Was that the classic or was that the
1: The winner was 16 hours on on the classic. Uh but t- people typically or was it Yeah, it was uh, 16 hours was the but mainly people are coming in at about 22 hours. 22 hours. Yeah. 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 So, I mean,
0: that's, that's not too shabby, right? That's,
1: that's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> But um, uh, all three routes are, use this one section that's from Huntsville to Bracebridge. Right. So the classic is from Huntsville to Bracebridge through Baysville. Um, and the, but the classic continues on up and around through the loop back to Huntsville. Right. So the, the sprint route is just from Huntsville to Bracebridge and the, the Côte de Bois. Is all the way from Whitney, all the way through the Highway 60 corridor, the, along the river systems, through Huntsville, up through Baysville, Bracebridge. It's, uh, it's. Port the, Sydney. It, and then
0: back to Huntsville. That's a mad route. Yeah. Well, it's 220 kilometers, right? Um, so basic. Yeah. So straight across, it's, it's the classic with the extra across the park.
1: Do you have a time, a winning time for the court uh,
0: the de I don't think they... Had it ran for the first
1: times. time last year, did it not? Yeah. So this is the first year for the sprint, the 80 kilometer sprint. Last year was the first year for the de the 220 kilometer route.
0: Yeah. If you go, uh, the Côte uh, overall last year, 23 hours, 22 hours 59 minutes. That's nuts. For 220 kilometers.
1: Like how fit do you have to be? Is, was that well, a. Well,
0: you know, I, I talked to Gord Baker at Huntsville, uh, at the uh, Huntsville Algonquin Outfitter store about, you know, tripping and racing and the Brent run, stuff like that. And he says, these guys doing this, I mean, they've got the racing canoes and you watch them they're already up and jumping out of that canoe before you're even at the shore. Yeah. So they're I not. Mean, it's all about the race. To they're these not guys. coasting into the shoreline. They're like, yeah. yeah. They're, you know, they're, they're running down the portages with the yeah. canoes and drinking their water, eating their granola bars. On the go. You know, on the go. There mm-hmm. is no slowing down. There's no, hey, let's sit for a second, take a break. That doesn't happen. That's what these guys are doing. That's incredible. It, it's, it's all about, it's all about the race. Um, and yeah, the 2015 classic route, yeah, 14
1: hours and 21 <laughs> minutes for 130 kilometers. Yeah. And we're looking at some of the numbers. Uh, I believe Hap Wilson and his daughter did it? Uh, it was his daughter or his wife? I'm not sure. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, they did that. Um, they did in 18 hours fast or slower than the winner. 12 hours.
0: I thought it was yeah, I know w- yeah, it was 12 hours. Okay. 12 hours slower. Bad math. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but still 14 hours,
1: 21 minutes that's for incredible. 130 kilometers. So. Is, I think these guys would deliver mail faster <laughs> than. <laughs> so it's 30 kilometers, 32 kilometers less than the Brent run. You mm-hmm. did that in about 36 hours, mm-hmm. total paddling time. And these guys are doing just a little bit like a, what is it? Uh, about 25% less, 20% less yeah, yeah. in four. 15 hours. That's fast, isn't, isn't it? it?
0: <laughs> but we lollygagged.
1: Yeah, I suppose <laughs> we stopped. Well, we, we on the second half you uh, did. Yeah. On yeah. the first half, you guys really worked. The, the first world.
0: half, you know what? We were pretty. We were doing yeah. pretty good. Um, but and, and you know what? I think if you're doing one of these races, having people to race against and seeing other people, yes. I think that would Incentive. make a big difference.
1: Yes. Because, because we're
0: abs- we're doing nothing but we're paddling against ourselves only, yeah, and we got nothing to sort of yeah. boost us going. Or no really bears chasing time. us. No, there's, no. <laughs> yeah. There's
1: no real markers. Are we ahead? Are we behind? It's all pretty rough. But if you have somebody that you're, is uh, steaming up behind you, it's like, oh, pick up the pace, pick up the pace. Mm-hmm. It, do, it would make a difference when, and what, there's uh, there's 153 individual competitors this year. So, yeah. you know, some of them prepared paired up in canoes, there's like, uh, there's C1 uh, kayaks. There's a, uh, there's uh, kayaks. There's stand up paddle boards. So there's a very differential spread of competitors this year.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what? people want to do it by themselves, so they get the the solo canoes. Yeah. Or the kayaks. You know, or they want a tandem and they get the they get the canoes. Um, and then yeah, the the stand up paddle boards are are now into it you know and i mean those guys are are cooking along pretty good themselves so at, i think the stand up
1: paddleboard solo guy what 31 hours i believe yeah uh, yeah something like that it was 31 mm-hmm. hours yeah so that's pretty good too like the, the stand up paddleboard that's uh that's got to be tough you're not even sitting down you're you're standing up for 31 hours yeah <laughs> that's like... that's difficult in itself
0: yeah 20 hours
1: was that stand up uh, paddleboard
0: stand up paddleboard well, and, and this is again, 2015. Yeah. Uh, stand up paddleboard was 20 hours and six mm-hmm. seconds. Uh, sorry, six minutes. I yeah. Guess. Um, uh, kayak 19 hours, 30 minutes. Tandem canoe, 14 hours, 21 minutes. Solo canoe, 18 hours, 41 minutes. And the over, the overall was the fourteen twenty one uh, tandem canoe course they're going to be a bit faster right uh what well, mind you the solo kayak was almost an hour slower than the solo canoe
1: yeah <laughs> hmm
0: i wonder if the solo canoeist was using the kayak uh, double bladed paddle or not yeah which would be cheating in my eyes <laughs> <laughs>
1: sure okay yeah yeah
0: so but um no you know what like and then like we're hearing from this weekend looks like everybody had a good time and
1: uh we're still waiting for the final numbers and stuff to come in uh as we record this we're waiting for the final numbers to come in but uh yeah it's uh it seems like it went well It, it yeah it's becoming a big event
0: um the amount of people that are are Going in here now. I mean, I think there was just over a 100 or something last year,
1: yeah, and 153 this
0: year, and 153 people registered this year. paddlers. And you also get guys like, um, uh, Chris Whitfield, who's that, uh, Olympian, okay, the the Chris Whitfield, is he the yeah, yeah, uh, he's doing the stand up paddle board, okay, right? And you get, of course, you get the guys like Vancouver and, and all that that are up that way, and um, a couple other. Uh, Olympians and stuff like that that have,
1: they participate as well and they have a great well, time doing it. Well, yeah, it's all about the competition. Mm-hmm. These guys, it's, it is is about the competition.
0: Yeah. So everybody, you know, from from just Joe Blow that likes to paddle on weekends to these guys that take it so serious, everybody's up there, they're giving it their all and uh sounds like they had a great time, so. Um, keeps on going next year and the year after. Now this is part of a series. There's a a River X series. There's the Big East River. Yes. As well. Um, that's earlier in the, in the season. Mm -hmm. Um, then you got, uh, yeah, the Big East River and the Muskoka River X. Um, those are, yeah, two of the big ones up there and, and people
1: seem, it's, they're becoming big, big events.
0: And, uh, it looks like there's, uh,
1: going to keep the, on going. What's with, with the X name? Why are they call the Big East River X and the Muskoka River X and. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I just know that they're happening.
0: <laughs> I'm not partial to that information. So anyway, um, we'll, uh, see what happens, uh, you know, when we get all the results and stuff like that, but. Yeah,
1: we'll crunch the numbers and we'll review that for next week's show and, uh.
0: Yeah, and uh, like I say, next year, well, maybe next year, we'll be participants. we are not we're, we're <laughs> not doing the Brent run. I hear the sprint is good in a car. <laughs> we'll give it a whirl, maybe. I don't know if I can convince somebody to do it, but uh, I'll need convincing to do it myself. So, um, next week. Yes. You have a Derek's Destination.
1: I do. Derek's Destination next week. I'm going to be talking about... Uh, the new national monument created in the United States in Maine, which is the Cadadin Woods and Waters National Monument, uh, which was signed into being on August 24th of 2016. Now, when so, you
0: say monument, you also think of something like Mount Rushmore or Mount something like Rushmore that, but and, there's a whole rigmarole about what is actually considered a national monument in the States.
1: Yes, and we'll we'll discuss those facts and those details next week when we talk about it. Uh, but until then, it's something to, uh, I guess, for you guys to uh, whet your appetite and look forward to.
0: Yeah, it's uh, definitely going to be something I'm looking forward to. I mean, it's, it looks like a big chunk of land with a lot of rivers it's and stuff huge. in it. There. There's it's mountains and everything in there, eh?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, there's a, uh, it's a, it's a large area. It's been popular for many, many years with uh, paddlers and canoers and hunters, snowmobilers. And I guess that's one of the main concerns. But again, we'll touch on that next week and get into some of the more details. hmm And, uh... I look forward to uh, bringing that to everybody.
0: All right, and that's that's uh, next week's show. Um, so yeah, we touched uh, touched base on a lot of things this week. You know, uh, again, the terror, the uh, um, everything. Filters, that's going, yeah, filters. Everything that's going up uh, with those ships up north. The yeah. water filters, the Scarlet Brothers. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely check out Grail Water Filters there. Uh, TheGrail.com. It's that's definitely something that uh, I can't wait to get mine and give it a whirl. Um, and other than that, I think uh, we'll do some research and uh, on a couple other things this week. Looking forward to hearing about the new park next week from you. And uh, well, till next week, I guess uh, enjoy your week and and uh, go back to work there, Derek, and
1: <laughs> <laughs> earn some money to buy some more water filters, more water filters.
0: So. Well, thanks everybody for listening this week. Uh, take some time out and uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, you can check us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com and we are in the midst of totally redoing our website, uh, which will eventually include uh, links to iTunes, to our to all our shows. So uh, until next week, I'm Sean Rowley.
1: And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.